I know something about you. No, you don't, preacher boy. Yeah, I do. You are a great person. You want to make the world a better place. You do your best to do good to people around you, to make their life better. But the question we have to ask is, are we actually making any difference? How do we know that what we think is good actually aligns with what would be best for people and for the world? Well, those are good questions. And we discover the answers in the story of Jesus. So let's talk about it together. We want to do what Gandhi said. We want to be the change we wish to see in the world. But there is so much in the world to change. If we're paying attention, the real world can be overwhelming and exhausting. Because, especially like times right, like right now, there just seems to be so much hurt and pain and hatred and anger and even evil in the world. And there's so much that can, can one person or even a group of people actually do anything to make a dent in what's going on. And then if we actually are, you know, we find something to do, it just feels like we're doing one thing after another. We're tr like bailing out a boat that has, has a hole in the bottom of it. And we want to be compassionate. We want to help in some way. But when we actually pay attention, we actually like maybe start helping. I think one of three things actually happens to us. First, we, we uh, wear ourselves out trying to stay informed and, and fix as many problems as possible. And when we're worn out, we either become jaded and apathetic like maybe we end up offering our thoughts and prayers or positive energy but then we kind of just move on because we know there's just going to be another thing that happens uh, we can become bitter angry anxious maybe we find people and systems and groups to blame for the problems and we get we get worked up over anything that happens and then we argue with anyone who disagrees with what our solution to these problems might be i don't want to be any of those three things. And I know you don't either, but there's another option. We can be the change Jesus invites us to be. We can allow Jesus's compassion to guide us to act where we are truly needed. And we can let him multiply what little we have to offer to actually make a huge difference. So stick around and I'll show you how this actually works as we look through the story of Jesus. Now, so far in the story, Jesus has been, you know, teaching and healing and, and casting out demons. And then he sends his disciples out to do the exact same thing, to teach the, the kingdom of God is near and to heal diseases and cast out demons. And as they're doing their thing in this story, the, the author, Mark, actually kind of gives us an interesting side note where uh, the king of the area hears about Jesus. And he's like, who is this guy? And he actually thinks he's John the Baptist resurrected. And then Mark gives us the story of how this king actually executed, beheaded John the Baptist because his stepdaughter asked him to. It's kind of a pretty twisted story. And so he tells us that story. And then he comes back to the story of the disciples because they have, they've completed their mission. They've come back to Jesus. And they're excited. Like, think about it. These are these are teenagers who saw God take care of their needs. They they were used to heal the sick and actually cast out demons. And they've they've really made some ripples in the area because people are flocking to the teacher that these disciples have been telling them about. Like, so imagine the people's excitement. Like, why are they flocking to Jesus? Imagine it. Uh, their their whole lives they've been living under the thumb of Rome, living under the thumb of a king who's killed their popular prophet. And any resistance they, they try to offer to these people is immediately and unrelentingly crushed. 
they are just peasants. They're unseen. They really have no voice in, in things that really affect their lives. They've been told their whole lives that they must conform to the religious rules and and uh, try to get a distant deity who hasn't talked to them for hundreds of years and make sure he stays happy so somehow they can get rid of these Romans. And they're constantly, I mean, it's the ancient world, right? They're constantly under the threat of sickness and disease and famine and darkness. But now there's a young teacher who's unlike anyone they've ever heard of, anyone they've ever seen. He, he teaches with authority. He isn't afraid of, and he doesn't conform to the religious and the political authorities of his day. He says he's bringing the true kingdom of God. He says that these people, you're not just peasants. You're seen, you're heard, and you're loved by not a distant deity, but a perfect and caring, loving, heavenly father. You have worth. You have value. And then he and his disciples heal their diseases and free them from the power of darkness. And they flock to him. Why? Because our hearts long for what Jesus offers. A world where enemies are forgiven, where revenge is left to God, where fear and anxiety are replaced by trust and hope, where anger is replaced with love and joy and peace, and where loneliness is replaced with community and belonging and being known and loved by God himself. So of course, people are swarming to Jesus, so much so that Jesus and the boys don't even have time to eat. And so Jesus tries to get his guys, after their, their big mission, he tries to get them some rest. Maybe get their head straight, being like, hey, you know all those things you did? That's great, but that wasn't you. That was God. So he says, hey, you know what? Let's get in a boat. Let's, let's take some time by ourselves. Let's get in a boat and let's sail away. But apparently, they didn't go far enough because the people on the shore recognize them. And they're like, hey, that's, that's Andrew who healed my leprosy. Or, or that's Peter who told me that God actually sees me and loves me. And they say, well, that... Who's that other guy? That must be the teacher Jesus they've been they've been telling us about. And so all these people start running to catch up with Jesus and his disciples as they're as they're rowing. And a huge crowd gathers where they're going to land the boat. Now, how would you feel if you were these disciples? Maybe a little excited that, you know, you're so popular, you're a teenager, but you you just got back from this mission. You're you're tired. You're physically tired, you're emotionally tired, you're spiritually tired. Like there's been a lot of work going on. You're probably thinking like, "Come on, people, just like Give us one day off. But how does Jesus react? Like Jesus. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Compassion is at the core of who Jesus is. See, he has this deep, from the heart, empathetic compassion on these people. Like, if you have a kid or, or a kid that you love, and you see them hurting, like really hurting, and you want to hold them, and you want to fix what's wrong with them. You even take the pain on yourself. That's how Jesus was feeling. And this type of compassion, I think, is something that's really missing in our world. And sadly, it's something that's missing from most of our churches. It radiates out of Jesus, though. Like, it's who he is, this compassionate, deep feeling, love for people. And so Jesus sees the crowd, and they're like, it says, sheep without a shepherd. They're wandering aimlessly. They don't know, don't know who to turn to. They don't know what to do. See, they have a king who obviously doesn't care about them. They have religious leaders that don't help them. They just weigh them down with, with more rules and religious burdens. And they're oppressed by, by fear and darkness. And he has compassion on them. So he changes his plans. They were going to go rest and hang out, but now he changes plans and he teaches them the truth of the kingdom of God. 
that God isn't mad at them, that they don't have to impress him and try to get on his good side in order to get something good from God, that God loves them and he already accepts them and he's, he's, they don't have to try to reach him. He's searching them out and he, and Jesus has come to bring them true life. And so they sit, these people, crowd, sit and listen and listen and listen. And the disciples are probably thinking like, okay, Jesus, yeah, you're, you're such a good guy. Like, okay, maybe teach them a little bit, but this is supposed to be our rest. So give them a little bit and then let's keep moving. But Jesus keeps going on and on and on and, and no one's leaving and it's getting late. And then somebody probably starts getting hungry. Probably Peter. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. These disciples are being very sensible. They're being very practical. And this practicality, maybe it's veiled in compassion. Like, hey, they're hungry. You know, send them away. But man, we should could really use a break. But Jesus, he's not in a sensible, practical mood. No, he has an even more important lesson to teach his disciples. Feeling compassion without offering any real comfort is just pointless pity. And Jesus says, come on, boys, we can do better than sending them away and hoping they find something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. In Jesus' compassion, he invites his followers to be the good the world needs. And he says, good job seeing their needs, guys, but uh, we can do better than that. Instead of just feeling sorry for them and, and hoping they find something to eat, you feed them. And the disciples like, oh, another Jesus lesson. Like, oh, really? You might not be in the mood to be sensible and practical, but Jesus, we just got back from a big trip. We're really, honestly, teacher, we're not in the mood for one of your like parable lessons. And you can hear it in how they respond to Jesus. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. They're like, seriously? Okay, funny joke, Jesus, but come on. They, we need to get these people going because it's about to get dark and they're going to get hungry and we feed them funny. We don't have enough to even make a dent in, in what they need. And do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, you know, we, you see a need and you feel bad? Of course you do. You're a good person. But I mean, what can we really do anyway? We can, we can barely make a dent in, in the true need. And so maybe we give up. And we start ignoring it and we, we move on and we send them on their way hoping that they'll find something to help, something, they'll figure something out. We want, I mean, we want to help. I want to help, but, but man, I got my own stuff going on. I got a family. I, I got to be practical. And the disciples, they're, they're just being practical, right? Well, I'm guessing they say, with what, Jesus? And he just kind of sighs and he's like, kind of a little smile. He's like, well, what do you got? See, just as he does with us. See, when we see needs and, and we don't know what to do, I think Jesus turns to us with a little grin and he says, well, what you got? How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And that's, that's not very much. Maybe it's not very much for a normal teacher, but Jesus is not very normal. And, you know, we think, well, Jesus, I've got some talents. I've got some resources. I've got a little bit of money. I've got, I've got time. I've got some experience. But, like, what is that compared to how much is needed? Jesus doesn't need much from us in order to do something significant through us. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. It's like an eyewitness thing there that, 
you know, Peter's remembering as he's telling Mark the story, remembering that, oh yeah, it was kind of springtime and there's, there's green grass there. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Five loaves and two fish, and everyone is fed and happy. And again, the writer, Mark, forces us to answer the question he's been trying to get us to answer from the beginning. Who is this man? Not only does he present God like no one ever has, not only can he heal the sick and cast out demons, not only can he raise the dead and calm storms, but he can create food, life-giving food, out of the thin air. Maybe he really is who he's saying he is. Maybe he really is God come to earth to bring his kingdom to earth now. This miracle, the the feeding of the 5,000, is the only one that's recorded in all four accounts of Jesus' life. Like, it must have made a big impact on his disciples. And I think it's because it highlights just how powerful and compassionate Jesus really is. Because Jesus' power and his compassion, they go hand in hand. They're never separated. His power is always connected to his compassion. Like, think about it. Jesus has proven that he has the power to do whatever he wants. The people weren't starving to death. Like, it had only been a day that they'd been out there. But because of his great compassion, he used his power to give them way more than they needed. Like, he could have just given, like, okay, snack time and given, like, a little bit. But everybody was stuffed by the time they were done. And there was enough leftovers for each disciple to have a basket. See, what's interesting is he was powerful enough just to make the food appear in their hands, right? If he can do all these other things, he could obviously just, like, make the food appear in their hands. But he chose to use the disciples. He chose to use what they brought him. He chose to use them to organize the people into the groups. He chose to use them to pass out the food to the crowd. And he chose to amaze them with something they'd never forget, a huge basket full of miracle fish sandwiches. See, Jesus chooses to display his power and compassion through his followers. So as we look at the world and the hurt and the pain and the anger and the loneliness and the sadness and the the evil around us, and we see the needs, and and we want to help, but we we don't even know where to start. Jesus says, you feed them. You feed them. And this is where things get interesting. This is where Jesus is so unlike anything else out there. See, we can try really hard to to be the good we wish to see in the world, and, and yeah, admirable, and even sometimes amazing things can happen, but we can't fix everything in the world. And if we allow ourselves, we can wear ourselves out randomly running from one thing we feel that needs to be fixed to another. We can wear ourselves out trying to bail out that boat that just has a huge hole in the bottom. We can do, and we can do as much good as we can, but we may just end up spinning our tires, not actually fixing anything. Why? Because maybe those aren't the needs that Jesus has for us to meet. But when we are connected to Jesus, when we are asking and following him and listening to him, he will point us to where he needs us to be. Jesus says, you feed them. See, he directs us to the needs he needs us to meet. Think about it. There were millions of people in the world at the time where Jesus is feeding these people. Millions of hungry people who could have used a fish sandwich. But Jesus didn't tell his disciples to feed the entire world in that moment. He said, see them? 
You feed them. You feed them. Take care of the need I have directed you to. Take care of the need I have put in front of you. Take care of the need I have put on your hearts. Jesus leads us to be the good he needs us to be. Point of this miracle isn't just, you know, easing temporary hunger. No, the point is what the miracle pointed to. Jesus, his power and his compassion at work through his followers. And that's why he made us. It's why he came to save us. It's why he came to remake us. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And we say to Jesus, like, see the, the, all these needs. How's that even, you know, me feed them? How's that even possible? I don't have much. And I've got my own problems. I got mouths to feed. I got things to take care of. And he smiles at us. He's like, that's cute. But what you got? What do you have? Give it to me and I will multiply it. I'll use the little you have to make a huge difference. See, if we are simply the, the good we wish to be in the world, then yeah, one person is impacted here and there. And, that, and great things happen. But when we give what little we have to Jesus, he multiplies it. And he makes something out of thin air that we never thought possible. And honestly, it's so much more powerful and it's so much more effective than just simple random acts of kindness. When we partner with Jesus, when we follow him, he leads us not to one ad, random act here and there, but a life of witnessing and being involved in the miracle of life change, of lives being changed. And we get to be a part of it. In his power and compassion, he uses what little we have to make a huge difference. We might not always see it, but the ripples will start working their way out. And he can plan each thing. If we just listen, he'll plan each ripple to go where it needs to go. I mean, think about it. How did 11 poor Jewish peasants start a movement that brought about the first hospitals and the first orphanages that laid the groundwork for universal human rights that inspired the abolitionists to end slavery? See, Jesus followers listened to Jesus and he gave them and, and they gave him what little they had and did the good he invited them to do. Listen, if Jesus is who he said he is, and he can do what he said he can do, then he knows what will cause the greatest good. And if we trust his power, and we trust his compassion, he will lead us not just to doing good here and there, but, by, but he will lead us to create a multiplying chain reaction of good. And you are a good person. You want good to come from your short time here on earth. And the best, most effective way to use that time is through and with the one who is the most compassionate and powerful, not just in the universe, but the one who created the universe. Jesus. You are invited to join him by doing what he leads you to do, by doing what he created you to do. Whoever you are, whenever you're watching this or listening to this, you are invited to discover a life of not just being good, but being used to multiply good. So to do that, I think the first step really is to accept Jesus' invitation, to make him your king, to pledge your allegiance to Jesus so that he can lead you, so that he can point you where you will do the best good. And that's not a, it's not a like momentary decision. That's something you should probably take time with something you should explore, something you should ask questions about, something you should maybe talk to somebody about. You can even email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com and I would love to talk you through maybe some questions you might have. 
but explore. But if you want to be more than a good person, if you want to be effectively good, following Jesus is honestly the best route to do that. And when we see the needs of the world on the news and social media and even in our own lives, you are invited to join the work he's prepared for you. How? Well, three, three things, I think. This week, this week, read once a day Ephesians 2.10. What I read earlier, that we are God's masterpiece created in him to do the good works he's prepared for us. Keep that in our brains, that we are created to do the good works he has prepared for us. And then read that and then ask, look at the needs and ask, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And then don't just go off with your knee-jerk reaction. No, listen, wait and listen. Go through your day asking that question. What is he putting on your heart? What ideas come to mind? What do you want me to do? And then take the step to trust him with what you have. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. What do you have? Take the step to trust him with what you have. Maybe it is praying. I mean, that's more powerful than we give it credit for, honestly. Maybe we do need to pray. That's what we can do. Maybe it's giving money. Maybe it's donating items. Maybe it's raising awareness. Maybe it's reaching out to someone in pain and need. I mean, just caring and being there really can make a huge difference for people. And maybe it's getting our hands dirty and physically helping. Listen, there is so much pain and anger in the world right now, and it can be overwhelmingly hopeless. And we can allow ourselves to become apathetic and fearful and angry, and we can wear ourselves out trying to do good but not knowing if we're actually doing anything that makes a difference. Or we can trust Jesus that he is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do and trust him to lead us where we are needed, where he needs us to be and to multiply the little we have to do unimaginable good. Imagine a world where every Jesus follower asked Jesus, what are you doing here? I see this need. What are you doing here in this situation? And what can I do to join you in this? What can I do to, to bring your love and your compassion to this world? And then they listened to Jesus and they did it. What would that be like? It would change your life. It would change the lives of your kids. It would change the lives of people around you. It would change the world. How do I know? Because it has done it before and it can do it again. Maybe it won't happen right away, but the ripples will grow and grow and grow. This isn't just wishful thinking. It's not. It's why Jesus came to earth. It's why Jesus came and saved us and showed us his true power and his true compassion. Jesus invites us to heal the world through his powerful compassion. So, what do you have? Thanks for watching this week's content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thanks for joining us on this journey through Mark, the story of Jesus. Uh, there'll be lots of content for you available online, YouTube, and podcast. But also don't forget, we meet in person on Sundays at 4.30 in South Salem at 525 Idlewood Drive. So find out more on our website, yourcrosscreek.com. And we're just really glad to see you here online. Uh, send us your information via the welcome form. Say hello. Uh, request a Bible, request prayer, or join a small group. Uh, it's all online there for you. And we'll see you next week. The question we got to kind of ask is, uh, does it make any difference?